Welcome to the Mavens of Marketing, a weekly podcast hosted by me, Rachel Durkin. And me, Carrie Barrett. We talk all things marketing, innovation, sales, and business growth strategies, and the standard tried and true marketing techniques. Come for the conversation, stay for the savvy insights. And the borderline inappropriate jokes. Welcome to this episode of the Mavens of Marketing. I'm one half of your lovely and talented co-hosting duo, Carrie Barrett. Thank you for joining us. The other half, of course, Rachel Durkin. How are you? I am fantastic. I have a new selling strategy that has been closing 100% of the time. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. So uh, two days ago, or no, I'm sorry, a couple days ago, my two-year-old walked in after a nap because she sleeps in the office mm-hmm. right behind my wall. And my camera angle was angling, angling down so you could see the floor very clearly. And she had like a belly shirt on and no pants and then decided to walk in and sit on the floor with her. You know how kids lay down with their butt in the air mm-hmm. when they're tired? And <laughs> let me cover me up with my blanket. And she proceeded to try to go to sleep behind me. Her hanging in the air. I couldn't get the camera off in time. I was like frazzled around, like yelling at the baby, yelling for the nanny, trying to get the camera off. And But I closed that sales deal. And the last time I closed a deal um, that big, my son walked in a few years ago with no pants on. So apparently, not that I think this is legal and I, I do not recommend it because I don't want anybody to go to prison, but your children really walk in naked. You but may, you, you may be onto something. I may be onto something. <laughs> Just make sure you try to blur it. That's the one sales method they don't talk about in college. (laughs) It's like I was trying to put my hand in the camera view. Right, right, right. The the baby butt as it was running around. They should have a little thing where you can draw. And so it like, you know, like you can draw pants on her. And if she stays in the same place, you're all good. (laughs) I love it. So today our guest is going to talk to us about successful selling in this digital world. I don't know if she has any tips that can top that, but we will see. Well, here's the thing. She, I'm almost positive, even though we're all only seeing from the waist up, we all have our pants on and we are ready to get down to business. Although I'm not sure those two analogies are necessary. Anyway, enough about that. (laughs) Ryan, Ryan, how are you? Introduce yourself to our audience if you can. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I am wearing pants today. Yes, yes. Pants it's a win. I was very excited about it. But today I have actually like, work appropriate pants on. So um, <laughs> my name is Ryan Dowdy. I am the co-founder of Social Sellers Academy and the Daily Sales on Demand for CEOs process. And um, I am really excited to have a conversation today about uh, leveraging social selling um, in your business for, for rapid growth and to really increase your reach in your business as well. So let me ask you like the sort of the overarching thing. What exactly is social selling? Yes. I love this question, Carrie, because a lot of people have made it mean a lot of different things. The way I view it, the way we teach it to our clients is that, you know, there's, there's inside sales, right? And they primarily leverage the phone. There's outside sales, right? They primarily leverage in-person networking, you know, that sort of stuff. And now we have social sales, right? Which means that social media is our primary sales tool. So to me, it's just an extension of different ways that we can focus on building relationships um, and creating new opportunities for our businesses. So you you told me before we started filming that you mostly serve the B2B market or consumer in like a professional capacity. So that's usually 
from a marketing standpoint, thought leadership, sharing of information is how you're going to engage and and uh, build relationships with people. So talk to me a little bit about the granular aspects at a very basic level of social selling. Is it LinkedIn? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it actually building relationship? Is it a hybrid marketing sales strategy? I'm trying to understand where it falls in the spectrum of marketing and sales. Absolutely. That's a really great question as well. So for me, it's, it's the, the social network is not super important. It's where your people are, right? So if you are building a Facebook community, then a lot of your social selling is going to be done on Facebook, right? If Instagram is your jam, then that's where you're going to be spending your time. Or if your ideal client hangs out on LinkedIn, um, you know, is it TikTok? Is it Clubhouse? Is it whatever's coming next, right? So we're not super worried about the platform. I always tell our clients, go where your people are. Right. So if your people aren't on LinkedIn, then no, we don't need to social sell on LinkedIn. What we teach primarily, Rachel, we don't even really touch the content marketing side of social selling. We teach like really the relationship side um, as far as, you know, um, engaging with ideal clients, you know, actually sending, you know, DMs and, and building relationships in that way. So, um, you know, yes, of course, content marketing needs to be part of our strategy. And if you're not putting any content on the social platform that you're selling on, you're, you know, you're missing opportunity for sure. But what we teach in the clients that we work with, we're making the assumption that their their content marketing strategy is on point, right? That there is content going out, um, you know, that they know their pillars of content, that they know how to engage their people. Now it's okay, we've built an audience of some capacity, or maybe we're getting ready to build an audience of some capacity. Now it's let's go meet those people face to face, right? DM to DM, um, like actually focus on pulling those people into conversation instead of just an outbound message. So let me ask you, I guess I, I have two questions. If you are in the process of building that audience and maybe you're in sort of a B2B, but a quasi B2C, you know, you're maybe selling to a, a startup or an entrepreneur who is going to be the consumer of this product, but also runs a business. How do you know what platform you need to be on? So I always tell people that it really, a lot of it is personal preference in mm -hmm. the beginning. Right. So if you're just getting starting with started with this, like pick your platform and own your platform. My first business that I built, we built it entirely on Facebook inside of a Facebook group. Um, that was what we did um, with Social Sellers Academy. We're on all three platforms because our clients are on all three platforms. So I think the only time the platform is super, super specific is if your audience is super specific, right? Like if you're targeting, you know, Fortune 500 executives with executive coaching, like you're going to want to hang out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, right? But if your ideal client is, um, you know, a uh, an entrepreneur, right? Somebody who plays in the online space, or maybe even, you know, people in the, maybe for instance, your ideal client is people in like the home services industry, right? Like the home services industry, they're on Instagram and Facebook because that's how they're marketing to their people, right? Yes. So um, it's really figuring mm -hmm. that out and it's, it's where are your people or where are they marketing to their people? And then if it's all of the above, if you have an audience that's very general, it's pick the platform you're most comfortable on. Like okay. if you're not currently on LinkedIn, do not go create a LinkedIn presence um, to do this, right? Like really start engaging where your people are. Um, I mean, I do believe in, in you know, kind of that, that omni channels, but I don't think that's where you need to start. Right. Start, start smaller, start a little niche down. So what, what are the skill sets that a, a social seller needs? How do you, how do you, how do you do all of this? And what do you need to have in your back pocket? Yeah, so this is the most obvious one, but the one that we forget to ask um, in the interview process when you're looking to hire a social seller for your business is they actually have to like like social media, 
the, my people spend 40 hours a week on social media, right? Like they are in the DMs all of the time. They're, they're engaging their people there. They're doing all their lead gen there, right? They're list building, they're prospecting, everything's happening on social. And so um, just because somebody's an excellent salesperson doesn't mean they're going to be a great social seller because it's a lot of time on social media. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that that is super, super obvious, but we, we oftentimes we think salespeople and we're like, oh, I'm just going to go recruit a salesperson or find a salesperson to join my team. But again, there are some salespeople that don't have any desire to spend all of their time on social media or don't really realize what that entails. So that's the first thing you want to make sure. Um, from there, I'm also really looking for people that genuinely um, like people and like problem solving, right? Like so much of what just relationship based. Like that's why I love social selling is, um, you know, because of how we share on social media, how we talk about ourselves and our businesses and our lives, um, that there is so much opportunity to connect on a personal level, right? Like Rachel's the perfect example in the story she told when we hit, you know, record, which was about her kiddo, right? So now, and I also happen to have a two-year-old and I've also had a few like, you know, make a baby <laughs> experiences. Works every time, <laughs> right? But you know, now Rachel and I have a connection, right? Like now, if, if I were to engage Rachel as a prospect, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I love that podcast where you shared your naked baby story. Like, let me tell you my naked baby story, right? And now, uh, you know, Rachel and I are making a connection. So for me, it's really about, um, you know, somebody who is interested in that, who can look for that that connection piece um, and really focus on, on building relationships. So they have to like social media. They have to actually genuinely like people. Um, and, you know, they have to be really good at, um, at, at solving problems for people, right? Like I view sales as problem solving. And so I'm always looking for people is, you know, are, who, are you the person who like, when something goes wrong in your like best friend's life, are you the first call they make? Like, are you the problem solver? Are you the creative one here? Um, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, and then there's the normal sales stuff, right? Carrie, we want people who are money motivated. We want people who are competitive. Um, we want people who are driven. We use the term intrapreneur a lot, right? So there's the entrepreneur. Um, so the intrapreneur, so somebody who can think big picture like an entrepreneur, but really wants to, doesn't really want, have the desire to grow their own business, but can think, has some of that visionary in them, can see, uh, you know, mission, vision, values, and, and really make that part of their work day. So, all right, I'm going to try to ask this question, but the landscapers just came really close to my window. So I'm like trying to block the microphone, <laughs> but so when I, when I think about sales and you have to forgive me, Ryan, you'll learn that this is a very annoying thing about me, but I think uh, I think at a macro level in the process from marketing to sales and then the sales infrastructure, because as a, as a business owner, sales to me has been one of the hardest positions to ever hire, to hire for. I probably have like a 50% success rate. Yeah. And I've learned that there's inside salespeople, there's outside salespeople, there's people who do a great job going out and shaking hands. And there's people who do a great job closing. There's, doing, there's a, people who do a great job, you know, uh, doing cold calls. So to me, this seems like or maybe I'm making an assumption. Is this a great way to, where does this, where does social selling fit in the sales process? Are they closers? Are they lead gen people? Like just help me understand where they fit in the puzzle. Sure. I think it's totally up to you, right? We have clients who have, you know, social sellers who are just their lead gen people. And then they hand off to a closer, right? My salespeople are all full cycle, um, meaning they, they generate, you know, they generate leads, they qualify leads, they book sales calls, they close business. So I think it's just dependent upon what's important to you and your business and your industry, what's more efficient. Um, 
you know, what I see a lot of people do is they'll start somebody in kind of that lead gen nurturing engagement role and kind of, um, you know, train them there and then, you know, elevate them into more of a closer role, if that makes sense. So I think it just totally depends upon your business, your business model, you know, those types of things, what makes sense for your business, because I love like kind of the, you know, in the online world, they call it the setter and closer model, right? But like, you got to book a whole lot of sales calls to have a person whose sole job is to just close business, mm-hmm. um, to, to justify the expense of that person. Right. So, um, for me, it's okay. If we're just, you know, if we're going to have a setter and a closer, what does this look like? But again, a lot of the entrepreneurs that we work with, this is typically, you know, some of their first hires. And so like they have the setter and then they're the closer, right? The business owner themselves is the one actually taking the call. So I think Rachel, it's taking a step back and looking at the big picture of what, um, what does this look like long-term in my business? You know, what am I trying to accomplish? Where is my biggest challenge, right? Like I'm good to, if you're good to take the sales calls, you just don't have time to do the lead gen, the nurture and the qualifying, then that's what you should hire for. If you're like, I never want to do this again. Like I don't ever want to do this. I don't want to take sales calls, then find somebody who can do both. So when we're doing this social selling strategy, I, I imagine you're working off of their personal social accounts, right. To build, you know, to build uh, relationships. What is the requirements of the company social accounts to support those endeavors? So is there like a baseline requirement or strategy or whatnot to make, you know, I always say that like, you know, I can sell if you, if you run out on social, but you don't have a social page going, it kind of looks like a, a building with the lights off and the door locked. And is it actually open for business? Yeah. So we have, um, we've clients again, kind of at all different levels. So we have some clients who are existing, they're working from like on Instagram specifically, a lot of social sellers will be working from the company's Instagram account. Like that will be the account that they're primarily engaging and using. Um, and again, different clients, different preferences, you know, my sales teams all have their own profiles, um, on each of, on each of the platforms that we play on. Um, just because I don't want, like my business is not intended to be a personal brand business, right? Like I want at some point in time for my face to not always be the face of the company. Right. But if you have a personal brand business that looks different, right? Like maybe it is important to you that it is your face. And, and, um, so again, it's kind of understanding what's important to you in there. Um, but what you do want is like I said earlier, there has to be a social presence, right? If I reach out to somebody and start a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, I don't really know anything about you. And I go look at your social media and there's nothing there. Then, you know, that's always, it always, unfortunately these days, it just winds up feeling shady, right? So um, it's, it's whether that's the intention or not, right? It winds up looking that way. So we definitely want to make sure that your social accounts are set up properly, you know, that you're sharing great content, that you're engaging your people, um, you know, that you're using the features that are available to you. And, and this doesn't have to be to excess, right? Like Facebook business pages at this point in the game are a giant big fat waste of time, unless you're running ads, right? But we still post content there in case anybody ever lands on it, right? So even though we know nobody sees that, right? Like we can see like 32 people saw your post. Like I can see that nobody sees that. But if somebody is doing research on my company, I never want them to land on a profile and be like, what's going on here? Are these people selling business? Mm -hmm. Right. So does it matter? Does it matter if somebody lands on your page and you've got like, you know, I don't know, 15 people following you. I mean, do you, is that something that we need to focus on? Like numbers? I know that the, the specific audience is important, but does having a certain number of followers or fans or whatever it is, add to your credibility, enhance your credibility? 
always, you know, yeah. I mean, do I think it's required? Absolutely not. Right. Okay. Um, but it, it always enhances credibility, right? Like yeah. if it's, oh, you know, other people, it's, it's like the whole, you know, you can go to a restaurant, people will wait in line for the restaurant with a wait instead of the one that's empty, because we just assume that that one's better because yeah. people, right. So it's, yeah. it's the same kind of philosophy. Um, but I also strongly believe Carrie, and this is where I, I don't like people um, going out and looking for likes is we get, we talk to people all the time that have 16,000 Instagram followers and aren't making any money. Um, yeah. and I'm like, it makes me want to cry. I'm like, do you know how much money I can make with 16,000 Instagram followers? <laughs> we have like 850, right? So, um, you know, it, it's, it's not a race for followers, but of course, any kind of social proof you can provide is going to build credibility. Yeah. Let me ask you about trends. I mean, I think one of the hardest things to keep up with is not only are there new platforms that are coming out all the time, but the way that they operate is it feels like anyway, it's constantly changing. You know, like you, you mentioned Instagram, some of your clients on Instagram. Well, now it's like the algorithm is favoring reels to the, to the, you know, any, even if you used to get great engagement on graphics or, you know, pictures or whatever, that's dropping. How do you, how do you keep, what is important to follow? Maybe is the right question when it comes to trends and what do you anticipate happening down the road when it comes to the trends and, and the social sell, selling combined? Mm -hmm. And that is actually why we talk about social selling, because yeah. when the algorithm goes crazy and it will, right, if you're not in conversation with your people, if all of your traction is coming from eyeballs on your reels and the ideas of creating reels makes you want to cry, you're, you're dead in the water, right? So that's why for me, it's about engagement. That's why we want you in the DMs with your people. We want you in conversations with your people. We don't want you depending on just people finding you first, right? Like we don't have to, it, it, to me, and again, engagement also means a whole lot of nothing because 16,000 Instagram followers and 40,000 views on a reels is not money in the bank. That's not relationship yeah. eyeballs, right? I don't want eyeballs. I want money. Those are two extremely different things. <laughs> and so, you know, that's why we want like, yeah, absolutely. Give into the DMs with people, talk to your people. We want that because then they will go seek out your content, yeah. right? If you feel seen, heard, understood, appreciated, you know, valued in some way, shape or form, then they're going to look for your content. Yeah. Right. Um, so for me, that's really what the focus is on. So that's why we talk so much about Carrie social selling and it actually, it, it happened this summer. I don't know how much you guys play in Facebook ads, right. But Facebook ads went cuckoo for mm -hmm. Cocoa Puffs with the iOS update, right. Reach in Facebook groups when they plummeted plummeted and people who had launches planned over this summer that they thought were going to generate millions of dollars did not generate those millions of dollars. And now they can't figure out what to do. Right. Yeah. None of the companies we work with have those problems because they're actually actively selling to their people all of the time. Like, yeah, I mean, of course, if you were anticipating a million dollar launch and it didn't happen, there's definitely revenue lost, but it's not like they're not at zero right? Because they are in communication, building relationships with their people one-to-one -one, um, in, in the DMs, in really focusing on that sales piece. Well, what's really kind of an aha moment for me in this conversation is I've always been of the mindset uh, that, you know, in social media, you're, you're renting your followers, you know, like you, the algorithm, the algorithm can change the iOS update can happen. And, you know, engagement is great, but it's, it's fleeting. And then, so, so to me in marketing, B2B marketing, it's always been about building the email list, building the CRM, getting the contact information, mostly the email. And to me, that was an asset that you owned in theory, you know, loosely. 
So what's really interesting, and this kind of a mindset shift, a mindset shift for me, is that DMs is 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 equally valuable in being able to go from engagement to interaction with your target audience. And so you can really treat that strategy just as you would as an email or a cold call. Um, so that's all leading up <laughs> to, to a question. So successful sales, in my opinion, you, when you're managing sales teams, you want to have KPIs or key performance indicators. You know, what are the behaviors that you're doing in order to achieve the long-term results that you want, right? So do you have any data? And, you know, you can kind of like just say, it feels like <laughs> from what I've seen, but do you have any data on our DMs in certain industries more successful than cold calls or email outreach? You know, what what is the... Do, you know, do you have better KPI rates? Just talk to me a little bit about like, you know, the hard data on success. Sure. Um, I don't have data versus other industries because we don't support businesses who cold call and, and use email primarily as their, mm-hmm. their outreach philosophy. Um, but what I can tell you is we're always looking for a 20% response rate. So when we're doing outreach, that's what we're coaching our clients to. Um, and again, that response rate might be, no, thank you. I'm not interested, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but we're, that's what we're looking for, right? Like, I'm not sure, like I know the connection rate on phone calls is abysmal. However, I do believe that if anybody was going to cold call, now would be the time to do it because nobody else is doing it. Um, and you know, and I, I think that email um, is is a crapshoot anyway, right? So, I mean, we like the DM for the connection piece, but for me, it's, it's not an either or, it's a both and, right? If you have always used the phone, I am not proposing that you stop using the phone and only leverage social media. Mm-hmm. For me, it's an additional touch point, right? Like if we've been using the phone and I can't get through to Rachel, maybe it's because Rachel has a fully virtual business and that phone number just is never going to get, a human's never going to answer that, right? But mm-hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out where does Rachel spend the most time on social media and pick that platform and then I'm going to connect with Rachel there, right? So now I'm creating that familiarity. So um, like I said, as far as hard data, I, I can't necessarily tell you because I don't play in those other spaces, but I can tell you that we're looking for 20% response rates um, and that, you know, most of our clients can get there pretty consistently. I will tell you it's harder in the business to consumer space, mm-hmm. right? So you'd ask me who our, who our people are. Again, it's a lot of business coaches and, and mindset coaches that work with business owners, you know, marketing agencies, IT solutions, um, et cetera. Um, we just actually are going to engage with a, a CPA firm and different stuff like that. So, you know, but in the business to consumer space, like the weight loss space and the health space, it, it is harder because that person is not on social media to do business like we are. So I do think that that changes it more so than anything else, to be honest. Um, but for us, you know, that, that contact rate, and we do try to, we pull our people off social media as much as we can. Like my goal is to connect in social media and get them onto a Zoom call right? My goal is like, we create new resources all the time. You know, we're constantly sharing our podcast in the DMs. Like, Hey, yeah. you know, love this podcast. Um, you know, we, we create new freebies to get people onto our email list all the time. Hey, I think you find this really interesting. So, I mean, we're, we're also trying to pull our people off of social media as well. Um, not so much to alienate social media, but in case Facebook blows up tomorrow, we can email right. our list. By the way, you know, come follow along on YouTube. This is where you're going to see the stuff you were seeing before. So um, that's kind of our strategy behind it. So I know that I didn't answer the question, but that's kind of the philosophy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let me ask you a follow-up. You know, you mentioned like you you jump into the DMs and you use that at least initially sort of like an email. Is there an art to crafting that DM message, right? Because you do have a, a script sort of when you are sending an email or you're doing a cold call, what makes a successful DM? Yeah, great question. And so the first thing I always tell my team, like our first process is identify the lead, right? Research the lead. 
there is no reason when you're leveraging social selling to ever be talking to somebody who is not qualified because there is so much access to information on the internet that we should not ever be talking to people that we shouldn't be talking to. I mean, it, it happens, but um, especially when you're looking for maybe a certain income level um, or a certain level of success, because oftentimes people appear very successful with their 16,000 Instagram followers. Uh, <laughs> they're not actually super successful, but you know, we should be able to get our target you know, much, much, much tighter. So the first thing we recommend doing is, again, identifying the lead, researching the lead, and then engaging a little bit first, right? We like we follow, we like a couple of posts, we comment in a really meaningful way um, to kind of take some of the stranger danger out of it, right? Like they've seen your name in their notifications a couple of times. From there, um, I'm always really big on using people's names, right? Use people's names and mm -hmm. spell their names correctly as Ryan with two N's and Carrie, you're, you know, K-E-R-R-Y, so I'm sure you get all sorts of shenanigans. Oh, I do. Um, you know, so use their name. Uh, I always try to find a connection point first, right? Like I, I gave that example earlier. Hey, Rachel, I listened to your podcast and I love this story you shared about, you know, your, your naked baby story, right? Like instantly create. <laughs> um, and then, you know, then we follow a formula. I've, I'm reaching out because, right? Because we have to take away that like mystery. Why are you in my inbox? What do you want from me? What's going on here? So I'm always big on, I'm reaching out because, and again, I always try to make it about the client. So I'm not going to, I'm not reaching out because I am, you know, I run a sales training organization that we help, nobody cares, right? Everybody's favorite topic is themselves, period, end of story. So our approach is typically, you know, I'm reaching out because, you know, I see that you run a successful marketing agency and we've been hearing from marketing agencies that recruiting sales talent has been a giant pain point. Is this something that you have experienced? Right. Because I'm not going to assume that you need me until I know that you need me. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be like, Carrie, let me, or Rachel, let me tell you how amazing I am at supporting marketing agencies on blah, 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 because you might not have that problem. Right. But if you say, yeah, actually we're recruiting right now and we're having a heck of a time. Awesome. Well, we actually do offer a recruitment and training service as part of what we do. Would it be, would it make sense to jump on a quick 15 minute call and see, uh, you know, if there's an opportunity for us to work together. Right. So for me, it's always making it like providing insight and never making an assumption. Um, about how I can help you because I don't know anything about you yet. And I think that's where, I mean, whether you're using the phone or email or any kind of outbound messaging tool, that's where so many people get it wrong is we assume because somebody fits the profile of our ideal client that they naturally have that problem and they don't, right? So Carrie, your thing is, is public speaking, right? So, you know, it might sound something like, hey, Rachel, you know, I love how, um, how you show up on social media. I love that you are so candid about sharing your family. And I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm reaching out because I noticed that, you know, you run an online expert based business. And what we're hearing from business owners is that, uh, you know, the on-camera piece of their business is, um, something they're unsure of, or it's shaking their confidence, or you're having a hard time showing up, you know, as frequently as you would like to, because of whatever, you know, is this a challenge you're having? Right, because you're not going to assume that everybody's afraid of public speaking, right? Or right. having a hard time showing up as themselves in their business. So that's kind of the strategy that we follow. It's always making it about them and then giving them permission to tell us to go away. Yeah. So this might be a silly question, but I'm hearing a lot about DMs, direct outreach, which I totally agree with. What is, or is there a value of also engaging with these people you're doing DM outreaches to on social, commenting on their posts, sharing things, following them. Is that part of, you know, the, the trackable KPIs or the goals, or is that kind of a waste of time? And as a follow-up, at what point do you decide the, the prospect is worth that level of engagement? 
Sure. So we teach like the data is now telling us for like a totally cold lead. They don't know who you are. It's somewhere between like 30 and 50 touches to get their attention. Right. I'm not assuming that all of those touches are DMs. This is another reason why I love social selling. Right. So um, what I said about before is you find that lead, you vet that lead, and then you like, and you follow and you engage on a couple of their posts. So the cadence that we put together for our clients and that we use is a cadence that has touch points every, you know, two to four days, just depending upon, um, your audience, what's going on, et cetera. Um, and we follow like a whole series of touch points. So that touch point might be comments. It might be likes. It might be popping into somebody's stories. Um, it might be sharing a, a post of theirs. It might be listening to their podcast and sending them a quick note about what you found really valuable, right? So we're varying all of our different touch points. So it's not just the DMs, right? Um, and we also bounce from platform to platform, right? So like, you know, we were talking about earlier, a lot of people have a presence on a lot of platforms, but it's not their platform. Like LinkedIn is not my platform. I have a, I have a presence on LinkedIn. We're there. We get business off of LinkedIn. I don't love LinkedIn. I call it corporate PTSD. It's just not my jam. So if you really want to connect with me, that's not where you're going to find me. Um, you're going to find me most likely on Facebook is where you're going to get in touch with me personally. So we also bounce from platform to platform. So those, we also consider those touch points. So it's an entire cadence. Um, and then to answer the second part of your, your question, which was how, how do we know, right? And so different businesses are in different situations as far as qualification, right? We are blessed to work in a business that my people, we can, we can be like 80% on point of whether or not the people we're engaging with are our ideal clients, right? Because we look at things like their social media presence. We look at the, the price of what they sell. We look at how they're selling their things um, because we know our ideal client sells expensive things primarily through webinars and launches and, you know, leverages social media as their primary communication tool. Um, and it's typically over, you know, 250 to $500,000 in revenue. Like we can figure out 80% of that without ever talking to people. Um, so that's how my team, and we have a whole vetting process that they go through. Um, and in the beginning of them building their databases, they had to run all their leads past me. Like they had to sell me their leads. Like these are my leads. Um, and we would go through and, and then they follow through their, you know, that, that cadence of touches, um, to try to engage with those leads. So if you are in an industry where it's a little bit more ambiguous, um, you know, you're going to have to get their attention before you can better qualify. But if you, as tight as you can get in like the presence, the, the, what your ideal client looks like online, um, and tell that to your sales team, um, you know, the, the less time they will waste. Right. But then I also feel that same way, you know, cause some people are like, oh, we can waste a whole lot of time on a lead, but I'm like, but you do that anyway. Like, even if it's not on social media, like if you're chasing a lead appropriately, if you are really focusing on drilling down deep into, um, you know, it, a, a small group of leads and really focusing on building those relationships. It doesn't matter if you're using the phone or email, you could find out at the end of the day that you were wasting your time. They're not your people. Yeah. All right. I, I feel like I still have a million questions for you. I, what you do is fascinating and I need you in my life. However, I, I don't have time to have more of you right now. So I'm going to ask you the question that we always ask all of our guests at the end of the podcast, which is what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Um, so I've like gone round and round with this in my head, this entire interview, cause you guys prep me for this. <laughs> and so I will tell you, so that's my, my husband, um, I was introduced to my husband by my friend who was my senior prom date. And like, we all met in different phases of life. And the mm -hmm. first time I met my husband, he was still married to his ex-wife. I was dating someone else, but we were able to like backtrack through our relationship with our mutual friend who introduced us that like there were multiple times we were in the same place at the same time and like never knew it. Like it was really? like, oh, we 
blah, blah. And I was like, shut up. I was there too. Like, this is a million years later. Like I didn't meet my husband until I was almost 30. So, um, and then this would have been like, literally, I remember coming home from college. So I'm like 19 and going to a restaurant, which is where my husband, Kevin met my friend, Dan, they were all there. Like Kevin was there. Like they all the same like, night. Yeah. Like they, he was there and I just didn't know him. I was 19 years old. So that's, that's what I got. That is serendipity, is it not? Yeah. Wow. Bizarro land. Okay, no, that is weird. Maybe, maybe were you stalking? I test Carrie's test on the I know, 100%. That's bizarre. You know, when you think about it, though, you do hear those stories about how, you know, 10 years ago, we went to the same high school or he lived across the street from me and I never knew. It's meant to be. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Where can people find you if they'd like to learn more about what you do, how you do it, have a conversation about, um, about potentially working with you? Yeah. So um, our website is dailysalesondemandforceos.com. Um, you'll learn about all of our services there. Um, on Instagram, we're at Social Sellers Academy. Um, and then on Facebook or uh, LinkedIn, it's, you can just connect with me there. I am obviously a very avid networker. I love talking to people. Um, so it's Ryan with two N's Dowdy and, um, yeah, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Very good. I'm following you immediately. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our audience for joining us for this episode of the Mavens of Marketing with Ryan Dowdy. We will see you back here next week. Same time and same place. Bye. It's a teaser. Coming up on the next episode of the Mavens of Marketing, growing an online presence is a huge part of owning a business or running a business in today's day and age. How do you grow that online presence, turn it into a community, and then leverage that community for profit? It sounds complicated. It doesn't need to be. We are talking with Brooke Riley, who is a master of those three steps. Proof is in the pudding. Her own business and online community has grown to well over a million. It's coming up on the next episode of The Mavens of Marketing.